Today, we're breaking down the NFC East. Big time division in football. Some might say even the best division in football. Some. Hello and welcome back to the Beerly Football Podcast. It's about football, but Beerly. I'm your host, Zachary Smith. Join me as always are my two very good friends, Trevor Scott, Carrie Dempsey. Let me get my hand in frame. How are we doing tonight, boys? Very good. Glad to be back. Glad to talk about this division. I remember at the beginning of last year, we were calling it the NFC Least. I know. Because uh, how bad we thought it would be. It turned out being pretty entertaining, especially with the Eagles. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. I miss the days when, like, it was the laughing stock in the NFL. Now it's yeah. like, yeah, at least the NFC I, goes through the NFCs. I think we're actually, like, just right under 100 days till NFL football, like 99 or 98 or something. Exactly, so, exactly 100 today. Actually start the countdown. It's exactly 100 today. Oh, okay. So when this comes out, you can count it. 99. Yeah. <laughs> but, Trevor, uh, in honor of 100 days, I don't know if you saw the post today of Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask throwing in practice today. How hype are you for that? Oh, no. I didn't see that. I'll have to check that out after the podcast is over. But... It was Baker wildly overthrowing his receivers was great. And Trask was underthrowing them or what? They both just sucked. It's going to be a long year to handle that. Like, oh, I feel like Baker's got to, like, he plays. At least I feel like he'll settle into a groove, though, like, eventually. Hopefully. Yeah, maybe. Well, this is also a beer podcast, so what are we drinking tonight? I'm going to start with Carrie this time. I normally start with Trevor. I actually have double beers tonight. Um, I'll start out with my second one first. I got a Bell's Lighthearted Ale, a low calorie IPA. Figured pretty light, so I try something else also. I got a Oberon Ale. It is a American wheat ale. I believe it's pronounced <laughs> Oberon. But... Oberon. Close enough. I thought it was Ovarian. Oop, my power just That's went out first. That's the cancer. <laughs> oh. <laughs> if I do die tonight, my power keeps. Just flickered and could go out, but hopefully I'll be here. <laughs> All righty, Trevor, what are you having? Um, I actually got a double beer as well, but I'm gonna start with my first beer like a normal human. Um, I think I had this back in October. Just dug it out of the back of the fridge. It's a Shipyard Pumpkinhead. Seems pretty Octobery. Seems pretty Halloweeny. I think the last time I had it, I really hated it. So this is kind of like an insurance beer. We got the Soul Setter Vesa. To back it up, just in case you know Justin Herbert doesn't do the job, we got Max Duggan right here. <laughs> um, let's double fist it, baby! All righty, real quick before I show you guys my beers that I have tonight because I'm triple bearing it tonight. Well, oh, I also have some peanuts. Gotta, have, gonna gotta have a bottle opener. <laughs> Sorry, it wasn't ready, but uh, all right, so sweet. Um. So, from Free State of Smith Brewing Company, this is the brewing company my mom has started, um, I have a cranberry apple cider here. I have a Scottish ale here. I'm going to start with a Scottish ale because I've had the cranberry apple cider before. I like it. Let's see how she did on these. Mama Smith for the win. It's good stuff. Really good she stuff. planning on the Smiths like planning on starting their own country at some point. Uh, yeah, we it's already actually started. It's in Tennessee. 
just branched off from the U.S. Yep. I, I can easily see that. 100%. Yep. That would be awesome. I'd live there. Who wouldn't? I don't know. I feel like they'd make you do some crazy stuff to get in. No, I don't think so. What do they call that? Hazing? I feel like Zane yeah. would have some... Probably. Some <laughs> Does everyone... Carry? Oh, yeah, everyone said what they were drinking. Yeah, everyone right. said what they were drinking. We ready to talk some football then? Let's talk some football, Carrie. Oh. So we do have our first guest tonight. Um, let me bring him in. Uh, we're going to start with the Giants. Guys. Good anyway, to see you. Yeah. Good to have Did you back, you? Lance. Absolutely. Thanks yeah, so you were here uh, last offseason to talk about the Giants, just in case we got some new listeners since then. Where can the people find you? Well, they can find me on Twitter, um, uh, at Lance Meadow. One word, last name is uh, M-E-D-O-W, and I pretty much promote all my work on social media, so I would say uh, that's the best game plan. I'm also obviously on a variety of different Sirius XM channels as well, in addition to my work with the Giants. Awesome. Sounds good. I know a lot of these new cars you get, you get like 60 days free Sirius XM, so, you know, if you buy a new car, tune in to Lance. But, uh, yeah, we appreciate having you back. Looking forward to talking about some Giants. Um, I know Carrie and Zach, big fans of Daniel Jones, big fans of the Giants, Brian Dayball, everything they got going on there. Um, this last season, from uh, from your perspective, how did that all shake out? Were you happy with the results? Or... Well, I think he benefited from the arrival of Brian Dable and Mike Kafka because I think <laughs> that the coaching made an ultimate difference for Daniel Jones. If you noticed, his turnovers went down, and ball security was a big issue in the early stages of his career. Now, I think part of that was him trying to do too much, but also keep in mind he had a revolving door of coordinators his first few seasons. So this is going to be now year two where he has the same head coach and he has the same offensive coordinator. You could argue maybe the best thing that happened to the Giants this offseason, while I'm sure everybody wants to look at the personnel and the draft, they retained both of their coordinators in Mike mm-hmm. Kafka and Wink Martindale. And that, to me, is a huge storyline because that has not been the case stability for the yeah. Giants. They've normally had something change. So you look back at last season, I think Daniel Jones fully capitalized on what Brian Dable and Mike Kafka were asking him to do. And he was able to come to the realization, I don't have to shoulder the load. I don't have to throw home run passes down the field. I mean, if you notice, the scheme was built around throw the ball, short yardage, get the ball out of your hands, let your receivers and your personnel do a lot of the heavy lifting. Now, I think it's going to be interesting, guys, to see whether or not they open up the playbook a little bit more because of some of the changes at the receiving core, the arrival of Darren Waller, and there's a plus and minus there, right? If you start throwing the ball deep down the field, you're putting it more in harm's way. Do the turnovers stay at the level they were last season? That's going to be very interesting to watch. But I think the results were very encouraging because he was able to go out, A, stay healthy, B, protect the football, and play into the strengths of the system. And that's why I think it all came together. Right. Yeah, he had, you know, probably his best year in a while. I mean, he, he finished off the year playing some solid yeah. football, some consistent football, which, uh, you know, had a lot of people ranking him, you know, maybe just outside the top 10 in that top 15 range. And, um, I mean, it sounds like, you know, the, you think the stability here, there's some brought-in weapons. You think we see another jump, and if we do, what does that jump look like? Is he going to – Jump into the top 10? Is he going to shake it up? Top six, top seven? What do you think this year is going to look like for him? 
Well, I should preface my statements by saying I couldn't care less about quarterback rankings. It's, to me, a very okay. silly exercise. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, guys, all that matters is winning. That's all that right. matters. Yeah. What you do yeah. to help your team and win. We could sit here. You could have your own rankings. I could have my own rankings. doesn't make a difference. It's similar to basketball. Not to get off topic, I'm a huge Jordan guy. All I care about is who's number one. I don't care about who's number two. I don't care about who's number three. So where Daniel Jones is on the pedestal of quarterbacks to me is irrelevant. All that matters is he continues to show consistency and it helps translate to the Giants winning football games. If that's not accomplished, does it really matter at the end of the day whether somebody has him seventh or somebody has him eighth on the list? Not to mention also, you know, the division overall has, I think, a lot of quality talent. You know, Jalen Hurts took a significant step forward. Dak Prescott is the seasoned veteran, the seasoned pro. You know, you could argue Daniel Jones is the third best quarterback in the division. I don't think that's a stretch at all yeah. based on track record, based on resume. So with that being said, you know, clearly I think he has a lot to prove within the division before we even talk about is he top 10 yeah. in the NFL. And I don't think the Giants are worried about where he looks at himself with respect to other quarterbacks in the league. I think they care about can he help them solve the division? Because if you guys go back and look, the Giants have not solved the NFC East riddle. Mm-hmm. They've struggled against the Cowboys. They've struggled against the Eagles. They tied with Washington, and they beat Washington. You want to solidify a playoff spot, you need to handle your business within the division. So I think if we're looking at Daniel Jones within the lens, guys, of quarterback rankings, not to avoid the question, I think it's very interesting to see what he does mm-hmm. against his divisional foes going head-to-head with some of those other quarterbacks I mentioned. You think right, it's, yeah. Go ahead, you think it's the, the biggest issue that a lot of Giants fans wanted them to go out and get a big wide receiver? Obviously, Isaiah Hodgins, you know, the big year, and the big guy they brought in was Waller, too. But they didn't get that go-to number one wide receiver. And you look at other teams in the NFC East, obviously Eagles have Smith, Brown, Cowboys have Lamb, and Broughton Cooks as well. Oh, yeah. Commanders have Terry McLaren. Like, they all have a go-to wide receiver one. Are Think it's going to hold Daniel Jones back that he doesn't have that you know go-to guy throw to? I'm not saying the Giants are the Kansas City Chiefs guys, so don't misinterpret my words. But I think the Giants are going to model it after Kansas City. And if you okay. look at Kansas City, right, Travis Kelsey's the number one guy, especially with Tyree Kill no longer there. No disrespect to any of the other wide receivers. Darren Waller is capable of being the Travis Kelsey of the Giants. If he stays healthy, of course, he can mm-hmm. be a 1,000-yard guy. And I think what the Giants said to themselves is we can go out, give up a mid-round pick for Darren Waller. Okay, we can maximize his value, and he can be our number one guy. I think you're going to see Mike Kafka, remember, where did he come from? Came from working under Andy Reid in Kansas City, yeah. where Travis Kelsey was the guy. I think they're going to try to model it around that, where, to answer your question, Waller, I think, can be the number one guy. Okay. But you want to protect yourself in case he doesn't hold up because he's had some injuries over the last two seasons. And I also think it's going to be more piecemeal because, as you mentioned, Dallas and Philadelphia have more substance and they're top-heavy in terms of the receiving core. But the Giants actually sneakily have a lot of volume at the wide receiver position, meaning – One game, it could be Isaiah Hodgins. Another game, it could be Wondell Robinson. 
who showed some flashes before he went down. They brought in Paris Campbell, who had a breakout year with Indianapolis. Jamison Crowder, more of a special teamer. We'll see if Sterling Shepard can solidify a spot. Darius Slayton. I could sit here and name you about seven or eight wide receivers on the roster. I'm mm -hmm. not trying to tell you that they're wowing everybody, and good luck trying to figure out the Giants from a fantasy perspective, by the way. <laughs> but from a realistic standpoint, I think they could get away with Waller's the number one guy. We spread the wealth with the rest of the group and still manage to have success. And also, we didn't even mention Saquon Barkley. So yeah. it can happen, but That's Waller good. has to stay healthy and be available for 16 to 17 games. And Kenny Galladay is finally gone, so that's not going to hurt me. <laughs> well, the Galladay experiment, to your point, did not work out. And I don't think they necessarily have a big vertical 50-50 winner that Galladay was supposed to be. But, you know, once again, it didn't work out with Galladay. I don't think it's going to hold them back because they don't necessarily have a guy who they can throw jump balls to. I think they have some mm -hmm. vertical speed now, which they didn't necessarily have a lot of. And let's face it, Waller's big enough. I mean, he's 6'6". You could throw balls up to him in the red zone, yeah. and he should be able to finish yeah. for touchdowns. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and was he, you, uh, you mentioned uh, Saquon Barkley, too. What are your thoughts on that situation right now? Though that's been a big thing for the Giants' this offseason, whether he can get a contract. Obviously, they extended Daniel Jones. Barkley got the franchise. Um, how do you see that handling out? Well, they have until July 17th. That's the deadline. So we've got about a month and a half. I wouldn't be surprised if perhaps something does work out. It doesn't seem like both sides are any closer than they are. I think getting back to your point, Barkley's camp, I think what had happened is they had anticipated that maybe things weren't going to go smoothly with Daniel Jones and the Giants, and they would have had to use the franchise tag on Daniel Jones. And then Barkley would have had an opportunity to test the market. But he didn't even get to test the market, right? Because the Giants mm -hmm. wound up tagging him because they got a deal done long-term with Daniel Jones at the last second. But here's the thing. Saquon could easily play this season out on the tag, guys. And then the Giants could ultimately tag him again next year. Right. Too. Let's not forget about that. I don't think that Saquon is going to pull a Le'Veon Bell where he's going to sacrifice guaranteed money for an entire season, still very much in the prime of his career, coming off one of his best seasons when he was fully healthy and got through the year, that's not happening. So does that mean the Giants have leverage? Well, absolutely they have the leverage because they put the tag on him. He can't negotiate with other teams. And like I said, I don't think he's turning down a fully guaranteed deal. So let's say hypothetically they don't get a long-term deal done. They'll show up for the start of training camp or midway through training camp. Because remember, once you sign the tag, you can no longer hold out. And I think he'll be good to go for the beginning of the season. The bottom line is, Daquan Barkley is going to be in a Giants uniform in 2023. Yeah. Whether it's a long-term deal or he's simply playing on the tag. I don't think that's a concern at all. I, uh, I don't want to backtrack too much, but I meant to squeeze it in there when you guys were talking about wide receiver ones. Over this past offseason, were you on one side of the fence or the other about bringing back OBJ, maybe having him as that wide receiver one? I think that was a product of Giants fans wanting to reminisce and live in the past. Yeah. So it's Feels funny good. You, you phrased it backtracking. I think that was a very fitting label for the question with respect <laughs> uh -huh. to Odell Beckham. Yeah. And I don't have anything, guys, against Odell Beckham. 
when he was here with the Giants, he was extremely productive. And I think way too much was made out of his antics, for the lack of a better phrase. If you remember, you know, he proposed to the kicking net and he was very emotional. The one thing I will criticize Odell Beckham for was what he did with Josh Norman was completely uncalled for because he launched at him and he was putting himself in a position to hurt himself and another player. Outside of that, I thought everything else was blown out of proportion. It's an emotional sport. We are invested in football. We're here on this podcast right now because it's sports entertainment. It's yeah. not life and death. So let's not take everything that happens on the sidelines so damn seriously. With that being right. said, as I get off my high horse and return to the topic at hand, the bottom line is I don't think Odell Beckham is a true number one wide receiver at this point in his career. So that's the true that's reason fair. why if you're the Giants, it would have been nice. It would have been a great narrative. Fans would have gotten sentimental. But the Giants, they needed somebody that they could rely on, could hold up in the health department and produce. And I don't think Odell Beckham would have check marks in both of those departments. I think he would have been a nice complimentary weapon. But if you're going into a season thinking Odell is going to be the savior, he's going to do all the heavy lifting, I don't think that's a very wise game plan. Yeah. Right. Has there been a lot of talk about Giants fans about DeAndre Hopkins? I uh, know he was just released. His, oh. I, haven't released I haven't seen Giants mentioned among landing spots for him lately, but I think that's a possibility all or It's an intriguing option. Should the Giants entertain it? I don't think they have anything to lose. It's funny because it goes back to the question that you were talking about with Kenny Galladay. Hopkins would be, right, the ideal replacement for Kenny Galladay, but you're mm. assuming, obviously, he's going to produce much yeah. better than Galladay, where you have the vertical 50-50 winner and another guy that Daniel Jones can utilize to target in the red zone or deep down the field. Is there room for DeAndre Hopkins? Sure, because I think there's a lot of competition in all of those wide receivers that I mentioned, but from a financial standpoint, I don't think the Giants are in a position where they can offer him a lucrative deal. They don't have a wealth of salary cap space. I don't think it's worth redoing other deals to rent DeAndre Hopkins for a year because you're not going to give him a multi-year deal. Remember, Hopkins had a $19 million salary with Arizona. Mm -hmm. It wasn't fully guaranteed, but do you really think he's going to go elsewhere and play for peanuts? I think he's going to want a respectable salary, and then the rest will be made up in terms of incentives. Yeah. But you're talking about if the Giants bring him in, it would have to be a heavy incentive lease deal. And I just don't think the Giants are in a financial position to make that type of an investment. It is a guy from a need perspective, to answer your question, that I think would make sense. I just think the finances provide to be a very big challenge. And here's the other thing. I think DeAndre, at this stage in his career, year 11, he's going to be 31 during the season. It's not to say that the Giants can't be a playoff team. But I don't think the Giants are an automatic Super Bowl contender. You know, they mm -hmm. still have some things they need to shore up and prove. You're DeAndre. I think you're driven by this stage of my career. I want to go to a team that is close to an automatic to make the playoffs, win the division, and do damage. And Kansas City, to me, is extremely appealing from that standpoint. You know, Buffalo, I still think, has some question marks. And I would argue Philadelphia and Dallas – at this point, may be a little bit more appetizing for Hopkins. Not that they need him. Yeah. Philadelphia would be nasty. What the Giants yeah. can offer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that but, one, two, three in Philadelphia would be nasty. Be Hopkins, insane. Brown, and Smith. Yeah. And they got Dallas Goddard, too, let's not forget about. Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, um, speaking of these other teams in the division, this is obviously 
This and the AFC North, two of the most emotional historical divisions ever. Just emotions running high. What team do you dislike the most in this division, and why is it the Dallas Cowboys? <laughs> You're trying to put words in my mouth. Is that how that question was prefaced? Oh, that's how that was. And, and this has been a question that's been brought up multiple times. To me. You guys have to understand, and I'm not maneuvering around the question in all seriousness. Now, I do national work for Sirius XM NFL Radio, so I'm invested in the league. Even though mm-hmm. I do cover the Giants, you know, I have a rooting interest in all 32 teams because I'm covering all of their storylines. So I don't get so caught up in the rivalries and the bitterness from the fan standpoint. And I really try to take myself outside of being a fan. And I'm not trying to get all high horse journalism s <laughs> with you, but I mean, the truth is, I, I really, I don't look at it so much through that lens. I will tell you this, and this is how I can best answer the question. If you ask the diehard Giants fan, who do they dislike most? It's absolutely Philadelphia, without any hesitation. Okay. It's Philadelphia because of the track record of the fan base, okay? I don't need to convince you guys. You're going to Philadelphia. You better put your big boy pants on because <laughs> it may not be a very fun and welcoming experience. And it's the same thing if Eagles fans even visit MetLife Stadium. Then I would put Dallas number two. And I think that has to do with the whole America's team label and the fact that, let's face it, the Cowboys have had a really good record against the Giants. The Giants have not beaten the Cowboys, by the way, with Dak Prescott as their starting quarterback since his rookie year in 2016. Wow. That's so, you know, that tells you all you need to know. And, I mean, they haven't beaten the Eagles in forever, no matter who the quarterback has been. And then Washington, to me, is fourth. And the reason being is, and this is why I was going down that road, Washington has not had an overwhelming amount of success against the Giants. And you know how fans operate. If your team loses to an opponent, you're going to dislike them further. But Philly is far more personal than anything else. And I think that's because of, once again, the rowdy fans and how dominant the Eagles have been against the Giants. So circling back to me, I don't think any differently of either one of those fan bases because, you know, once again, you play these teams twice a year. You study these opponents. To me, it's all blurry. It's no different from one year versus the other. And I know that's the boring answer, but you know what, guys? Unfortunately, you're going to have to deal with me. (laughs) Sounds good. Sounds good. All right. I got one more question for you. Um, Giants draft this year was really high regarded. Everybody – Seem to get give them high grades. Um, you have any thoughts on their draft class, um, grade, or anything you got them? Well, I think it was a very productive draft. I mean, once again, as far as grades go, at the end of the day, guys, we need to see these players get on the field. Yeah. You know, I know everybody wants to crown the draft classes, but, you know, can we see what Deontay Banks at corner can do in year one? Can we see what Jalen Hyatt can do? And that's another wide receiver, by the way, I did not bring up in our earlier conversation. He's another mm-hmm vertical threat that I think will help perhaps Daniel Jones try to branch out a little bit more in terms of the deep throws. John Michael Schmitz gives them a must starting center because absolutely fantastic pick. Yeah. Out of the big 10. Remember, keep in mind, Nick Gates, they lost to Washington and John Feliciano, their starting center. He went to San Francisco. So that was huge need before we even talk about the player. But you know, John Michael Schmitz is a player that had six years in college has a lot of starting experience, and comes from a team that ran the football down the throats of the opposition. So you know he likes to get down and dirty. I think those three picks that I just mentioned, those were their top three picks. All of them, I thought, met 
two things. They met need, yep. but they also added up in terms of value. All three of those guys, and this is where the grade conversation comes back in, all of those players were speculated to go to the Giants with their first-round pick. So to wind up getting them yeah. with your first three, right? I mean, I would say that's a huge win from that standpoint. Yeah. Then they got cool. Eric Gray, a running back out of Oklahoma, who I think will prove to be a complimentary piece this year and maybe two years down the road he could play a bigger role. I mean, the appeal of him is he caught the ball out of the backfield. He wasn't just a runner, and I think they need somebody that could spell Saquon Barkley a little bit. And then as far as the rest of the draft class, I think you know special teams contributors, some depth on the defensive backfield front. But the first three guys I think could come in year one, play a lot of snaps, make quite the impact because they're coming in at positions where you know they need some playmakers. So I'm with you. I think the Giants draft class got some positive feedback from a national standpoint, rightfully so, because I think it added up beautifully with value and need. Okay. And I got one more question for you, and this might be the most important question we ask today. You save the best for last. Yeah. That's it. If you remember to <laughs> No, no, that's, that's not oh, the question. So you're teasing me now. Okay. That's not the question. Uh, the question is, what's your favorite nickname for Daniel Jones? My favorite nickname for Daniel Jones. Well, I think we got to go with the most popular one, Danny Dimes. Danny Dimes, okay. Now, given the fact no that I think no he's lived up to those expectations yeah. for the most part in terms of his efficiency, at least based on last season. Yeah. Now, maybe he takes it to another level, as I mentioned this year, if they really open up the playbook and have him throw a little bit deeper down the field because of some of the personnel around him. But I think Danny Dimes is the most fitting. I'm a big alliteration fan, so that's another reason why I like the Danny Dimes nickname. Okay. It flows and it rolls right off your tongue beautifully. <laughs> my uh, my last one for you, um, kind of stepping out of the division, but New York, New York. Uh, Aaron Rodgers in the Jets. What do you think? What do you think of that? You think best team in New York? Huh? <laughs> Well, the Jets have a fantastic defense. Can't take that away from them, right? I mean, we're talking about a top 10 unit, no matter what category you want to look at it at, and that unit is coming back. You know, my issue with the Jets last season, they played a number of close games. They were very similar to the Denver Broncos, guys. Mm -hmm. But if you go back, they were competitive, and mainly because of the defense. The problem is you had no idea what the offense was going to do, and the offense became a liability. So even if Aaron Rodgers is not going to come in and throw for four or five touchdowns a game. He's still a huge upgrade over what they were working with. Yeah. The revolving door last season. And I do think some of those games where they lost 23 to 20, 20 to 17, does Aaron help them in that department? 100%. Yeah. No doubt about it. I mean, he's got a good defense to lean on, so he's not going to have to throw four to five touchdowns a game. To me, my biggest concern is the offensive line. I don't think enough people are talking about the Jets' offensive line. Makai Becton has been banged up. We'll see what happens with Elijah Vera Tucker. You know, here's another guy that also has dealt with some injuries. You know, that is far from a finished product. And going back to his seasons in Green Bay, Aaron had years where he was, you know, sacked a lot. Yeah. And that took a toll on him. And remember, we've had the clavicle injuries that we've had to deal with. So do I think the Jets can contend? 100%. I don't think they're a lot to win the AFC East. But I think getting a wild card? That shouldn't be asking for a lot because, you know, Aaron is still a top-tier quarterback. As far as the best team in New York, 
for the Giants, they're coming off a really good season. I just, I wonder, my big question for the Giants is, was last season a product of the schedule and the caliber of the opposition? Because the schedule is much tougher this year. Yeah. And was it also a product of, once again, a little bit of the unknown with the Giants, right? Yeah. We didn't see Wink Martindale. We didn't see Dable and Kafka. Now teams have more film on the Giants. What happens in year two? How does that game of chess play out? So I think there's a little bit more known about the Giants than there is with the Jets because Nathaniel Hackett and Aaron Rodgers, we haven't seen them operate with the Green Bay side of things. So, you know, that's what adds a little bit of perhaps intrigue surrounding the Jets, maybe more so than the Giants this year. Gotcha. And final record prediction for the Giants this season. What you got about? It's a little early, but... (laughs) Yeah, you guys are really putting me on the spot. Well, I will say this. Can the Giants get back to where they were last season? Meaning, can 9-7-1 be realistic? Absolutely. I don't think that's a stretch. You know, here's the thing, and this goes back to my point of what I was talking about with respect to the schedule. The Giants won a lot of close games last season. And, you know, with the way that the NFL pendulum swings... There's a fine line between winning and losing, and it is a very narrow line. And just because you win all those close games one year does not mean it carries over to the next year. I'll give you an example. In 2016, which was the previous time the Giants made the playoffs before they made it last season, you go back and you look at that season, and they actually settled for a wild card that year because Dallas had won the division. Giants won a lot of close games. They weren't a dominant team that year. Yeah. He had so many key plays. I mean, I could give you an example. They played the Saints, Drew Brees and the Saints. They got a blocked kick that they returned for a score by Janoris Jenkins. That's a special teams touchdown. Yeah. Rashad Jennings picked up a late first down against the Bengals. They wound up winning that game by a very close affair. I mean, there were tons of those games. And you go back to last season, there were a lot of those games again. Yeah. Now, you have to be able to win the close games. But does it happen, guys, at the same rate that it did last season? I don't think you can guarantee that. So, you know, before I see how this defense and this offense operates, and, you know, we haven't gotten out to training camp, we're really jumping the gun. But once again, the talent, the continuity on both sides of the ball, I think they help their cause with helping the run defense. I love the additions of Nacho and Ashawn Robinson Mm -hmm. joining Dexter Lawrence. There's no reason why they can't at least return to their form last season. Now, is that good enough to get a wild card spot? I don't know. You know, we're going to have to see how the NFC plays out. The NFC, remember, has lost a lot of quarterbacks. But there's no reason why the Giants should not be in wild card contention in 2023. And it's got to be happy where this team is. I mean, this was expected to be a team to multi-year rebuild, and they made the playoffs last year. I mean, I don't think any of us saw it last year when we were talking about this. Giants would have made the playoffs. I think, Zach, you had them at, like, 1-16 and last year yeah, or something. Yeah, bad call something for me. Uh, That's a bad call for me. But, hey, I admit when I'm wrong. I admit when I'm wrong. I, I, I get stuff wrong sometimes. Most of the time, I, I, I'm 100% accurate, but I get stuff wrong sometimes. <laughs> I mean, even if it's not this year, I think this is a giant team that's set up pretty good for the future. Well, I would agree with you. I think they're trending in the right direction. you got to love the impact that Brian Dable had on the team. I talked about coordinator stability not losing any of them and you know daniel jones is coming off a productive year but life in the nfl is all about what have you done for me lately right yeah i say this about quarterbacks it's not one good season 
the quarterbacks that separate themselves from the rest of the pack are the ones that every time they get on the field, you know exactly what you're getting out of them. Yep. And Daniel Jones showed a lot last season, potential. Now he's got to do it all over again. And you hope that he benefits from the personnel around him and being in the same offense year two. So, you know, he's got the right infrastructure. Now it's up to him and the rest of the group to fully capitalize and take advantage of that. All right, Zach. Take it away. All righty. So I asked you this We're question last year. year. I asked everybody this question last year. Um, my Jacksonville Jaguars ended up getting a playoff spot, getting a playoff win, and right. uh, and uh, exceeding almost everyone's expectations last year. I think I did have them finishing 9-8. and eight. But uh, where do you see the Jaguars this year? Following a successful year with year one uh, head coach for in the in Jacksonville, Doug Peterson. Well, I don't want to speak out of line, but if you did ask me the question last year, I was very high on the Jaguars last offseason. I didn't think they were going to win the division, but I thought Doug Peterson would have a tremendous impact. Now, I don't know if you went back to the archives to check my answer. I believe now, I you, believe you were one of the people. I, I I believe that your exact quote is, "They made the biggest upgrade out of any team this year." And it's at the head coach position. It's kind of paraphrasing, but I believe you said that. Okay. Well, I believe that that would be something in the ballpark that I would say. So I'm going to pat myself on the back for that one, <laughs> as you commented yourself too, since this is the part of the show where clearly we uh, lay out the red carpet treatment. But in all seriousness, I was very encouraged by what happened with Jacksonville. Because, see, very similar to what I talked about with Daniel Jones, Doug Peterson had the same impact on Trevor Lawrence. You got a professional in the quarterback room. And when you put a true professional in the quarterback room who also played that position, you're going to do wonders for your quarterback. Yeah. I was also very happy to see Evan Ingram have a really nice season. And I was rooting for him for, on a personal level because obviously I got to know him from working for the team. And I thought if he could just put it all together, stay healthy, you know, he's got the talent. And yeah. he did. So, you know, that was really nice. And the Jaguars defense you know, showed some flashes here or there. So, you know, all things look good. Here's the thing that's encouraging about Jacksonville. Indianapolis, let's see what happens with Anthony Richardson or mm -hmm. whether or not Gardner Minshew is going to be the bridge quarterback. But the Colts' offensive line took a step back. I like them keeping Gus Bradley, but time will tell. The Houston Texans, D'Amico Ryans, has a lot of work to do. Also, another young quarterback. You know, they're far from a juggernaut. And Tennessee... All of a sudden, the armor of the Titans is not as shiny, right, as yeah, it was in previous right. seasons because of offensive line issues. Derrick Henry can only do so much of the heavy lifting, and their defense also had some ups and downs. So Jacksonville, I know they won the division, but it's not crazy to say the Jaguars are the team to beat in the AFC South. Let's go. They are 100% the team to beat. That doesn't mean they're going to duplicate their success, but – Right now, I would expect the Jaguars to set the tone and the standard of that division. Tennessee is the team to watch for, but they have something to prove. But Doug Peterson, he built a stable of forces there on offense and defense where mm -hmm. I'm very excited. And here's the other guy to look out for this season, by the way. If there's anyone on that team that has so much to prove and quite the skeptics who I think is going to have a huge bounce back season, it's Calvin Ridley. People yep. forget, they acquired him. Unfortunately, had the gambling suspension. I think based on that letter he wrote, which said an awful lot and was very eye-opening, and it was good to see him open up. I think Ridley 
is going to have a very productive season, assuming he could stay healthy. People forget, you know, that's another addition to the receiving core. So I really like the Jaguars this season being able to pick up where they left off and not show that they were simply just a flash last season. Yeah. All right. I love that answer. Yeah. <laughs> love <Sure>. that answer. <laughs> well, thanks for coming on, Lance. Um, you want to just plug yourself where to find you again before you head out tonight? Sure. Well, once again, everybody can find me on Twitter at Lance Meadow, one word, last name, M-E-D-O-W. There is no A in my last name. That's why I continually spell it. <laughs> and uh, I promote all my work on that front. And they can catch me on Sirius XM NFL Radio, a variety of different shows I host. And then I'm on Sirius XM Mad Dog Sports Radio, Channel 82, every Saturday and Sunday, 8 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern. We talk about everything known to man in the world of sports. So those are the main projects. And uh, I certainly appreciate you guys having me on again. I hope that you'll put my Jaguars answer in the archives again. And this time next year, we'll circle back and hopefully Can't I'll be wait. able to pat myself on the back for two consecutive years. There you go. Good. <laughs> All right. Good luck in the Giants this year, Lance. You got it, guys. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Enjoyed it. Thanks. Take care. Thanks for coming on. Whoops. All right. So that was the Giants. Now it's on to the I don't know. Is it the least? Is it the most liked team? The least liked team in the NFL? Both. I don't even know. <laughs> we got Kyle Humans, Dallas Cowboys TV host and reporter. How are we doing tonight, Kyle? I'm good, guys. How are y'all? Doing pretty great. good. Pretty good. Glad you were able to make it. Glad you were able to talk about some Cowboys. I got a feeling me and you are going to be agreeing on some stuff tonight. But uh, <laughs> before we get into all that, where can uh, where can we find you? Where can the people find you? Yeah, so uh, I'm on DallasCowboys.com. That's where we really uh, we really do the majority of our, our media coverage uh, online on the Cowboys Now app. And then you can find me on Twitter and Instagram, Kyle underscore Yeomans, Y-O-U-M-A-N-S. So, uh, yeah, that's that's really the, the biggest thing. I host the Talking Cowboys podcast, the Draft Show podcast, and then a couple of, couple of other TV shows throughout the season. And that's kind of the best way to find us. Gotcha. Sounds right. good. Well, the, uh, the draft show podcast, I guess we could uh, kind of bring that up first. Were you pretty happy with the draft? I know some people were saying the Cowboys were reaching. So uh, what, what do you think about the draft? I think they went they went needs-based uh, more so than best player available. They probably had a couple of other higher-valued prospects that they could have gone with early on. But for the most part, they filled the needs that they needed to. They, they checked the box at tight end. They mm-hmm. did so in the second round with Luke Schoonmaker. Uh, they they checked the box from a, a run-stuffing defensive tackle, a, a position that the Cowboys have really never utilized for the most part, and, and at least over the last decade uh, or so of, of, um, of production from the defensive line. But I think, uh, I think that's really the, the best way to put this draft, is they went through and they got a little bit of everything that they needed, and they did so uh, to make their team better. I think this is a better football team this offseason than they were last year, just based off of some of the veterans that they've added and then the needs that they addressed in the draft class. Were you surprised they didn't go with the tight end of the first round? No, everybody was saying Michael Mayer. Everybody thought Cowboys were going to take him at the end of the first round there, but they ended up going DT. Um, were you surprised by that? or? Uh, yeah, no, I think there was a little bit of a shock because Dalton Kincaid was like an early name uh, that the Cowboys might have been interested in, but – uh, now knowing what we know after the fact, they uh, they would have never taken a Dalton Kincaid that early on. Uh, I don't think they would have, even if Buffalo 
would have uh, would have made the, the the pick elsewhere uh, instead of jumping in front of the Cowboys, I think they still would have taken Mozzie Smith. They had him higher graded uh, than than even Dalton Kincaid, so they okay. were they were pretty confident in their pick. Uh, now, the uh, the the biggest thing was they had higher tight ends on the board later uh, in the draft. If they could have had somebody else at fifty eight, they would have taken probably Michael Mayer or even Sam Laporta. Sam Laporta was their top rated tight end uh, going into the draft. So they really liked him out of Iowa. Uh, I think if, if let's say Mozzie Smith was off the board, uh, I think Sam Laporta was in play there in the first round, even with uh, maybe a, a Matthew Bergeron, who was an offensive guard uh, that could have come in and played an impact as well. Uh, so I think that's that's really the, the, the interesting part of this draft is they really wanted a tight end because they had three or four names that they were really honed in on, and ultimately they settled on, on Luke Schoonmaker, and I think there's a, a lot of upside for Schoonmaker, especially in this offense. All right. Well, you um, talking about some draft stuff. You, you brought up some of the veterans that they uh, brought in over this offseason and something that I just I really haven't gotten over. I think I've talked about it maybe two or three straight shows now. But uh, the Brandon Cooks edition, I've just, I was super impressed with that, and I think that, you know, Losing Zeke, and then, you know, I think this offense is going to just be a little different this year, but in a very good way. And I think, you know, having CeeDee Lamb and Brandon Cooks together, just not even to mention Michael Gallup, but what do you think he's going to bring to the offense and uh, kind of bringing him in and then losing Zeke? Uh, what's what's that going to look like? Yeah, it, I think the biggest thing with Zeke is the pass protection. I think you're you're really missing out on a, a big-time pass protector and somebody that, that was able to, to be – relied on in in the backfield to to have an extra blocker for Dak Prescott and and he might still be a, a top five pass protecting back in the NFL I mean he was exceptional at doing so but the thing is you're not going to get paid 90 million dollars and be a, pa a pass blocking running back like yeah. that's just not how it works <laughs> in, in today's age of the NFL so he needed to do a little bit more so I think from a, a weaponry standpoint this is a team that still has quite a bit of weaponry around it. Tony Pollard could take that next step. Of course, CeeDee Lamb showed a, 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 an ability to be a wide receiver one last year. And then, like you said, the addition of Brandon Cooks. I think having Brandon Cooks in the fold is better for this offense, not only because, yes, they have another weapon to add, but I think it elevates Michael Gallup because mm -hmm. Michael Gallup was expected to be a high-end wide receiver too. And he really wasn't that. He was somebody coming off of an injury that never really lived up to that wide receiver two billing. He never has had to be a wide receiver two. He's been a three throughout his career. Um, now he can be an above average wide receiver three. And I think it, it opens up the playbook even more. So the addition for Brandon Cooks is not only great for Dak Prescott, but I think it's great for these other receivers because now they'll see more favorable matchups and they'll, they'll see better windows to catch the football in. Uh, even early on, whenever teams are trying to figure out what weapon they want to try and uh, try and cover in the early going of the season. All right, Micah Parsons, who I think most people would say, if not the if not the best, one of the best young defensive players in the league. Um, how high do you think his ceiling is going to be? I mean, obviously he's been insane two years in. You think he's just going to keep getting better? Yeah, I think there's uh, there's kind of a. Uh, there's a cohesion between him and Dan Quinn that I, I think is just continuing to get better. The longer that those two are together, I think the more you can see uh, Parsons 
ceiling grow. And and he he's done so many different things. I mean, he rushes the passer. He stays back. He can play at the second level. He can play the run. He can uh, play sideline to sideline. I think his his niche has become as a pass rusher. It's been somebody off the edge. It's been an ability to get in the backfield. So with Dan Quinn utilizing that skill set and putting him in positions to be successful, I think that one-two punch of defensive coordinator and young talent uh, will continue to see him get better. Now, the sack numbers last year were just a tiny bit better. It wasn't like he, he set the world on fire and he wasn't really in a defensive player of the year conversation, at least late in the year. Uh, I think you this year the biggest thing is you want to see consistency all the way through because he came out of the gates hot, uh, was in that conversation in the early going, and then kind of fizzled out at the end. Still made an impact, don't get me wrong, and you could see it on the film, and teams really just had uh, to go at him, double teams, and, and take his legs out from underneath him. There were multiple uh, ways to defend him. I think if he can find a way around that, and continue to, to broaden his his arsenal of pass rush moves and, and continue to, to widen his skill set. I think he really has an opportunity to be one of the best defenders, if not the best defender in the NFL, if he continues on the same trajectory. He, he's hard to beat. Yeah. Yeah, with him <laughs> leading this defense, this is a really complete team if the offense can uh, play consistently. Trayvon Diggs, he's uh, right around the corner from getting a new deal. Is that right? Yeah, I think that's that's kind of the thing that this this team has struggled with in the past has has been getting deals done ahead of time. And a big reason for that is teams like or players specifically like to use the uh, the the brand as leverage. I mean, they want they want to play well for the Cowboys because then you're going to get paid well like a Cowboy. And and Dak had it had happen. Amari Cooper had it happen. Ezekiel Elliott had it happen. They, they've leveraged their success with the star on the side of their helmet for bigger deals, and it, it, it does. It, it goes that way quite a bit. So I think Trayvon Dix and C.D. Lamb and Micah Parsons are the next three bang, bang, bang that you're going to have that way. Now, the Cowboys have the, the possibility and have already accepted the fifth-year option for C.D. Lamb. They don't have that sort of option for Trayvon Dix. So this is a, a contract year for him. With the way that he started his career – uh, as kind of a liability and coverage, and then he he had the eleven win interception or the eleven interception year uh, that kind of put him on the map. Now now he's kind of settled back in and become a, a, a shutdown corner. So I think that mm-hmm. this year is going to be really telling on what his value is going to be because right now you could go a couple different directions on what that value would look like from a front office standpoint. Right. I think uh, something I saw today on Twitter was. Roughly around four years, 81, 82, 83 million, something like that is what they were projecting his deal to look like. But, uh, yeah, you're definitely right. You know, you play well for the Cowboys. Everybody's going to take notice. You have a big season. You have 11 interceptions. You have 20 sacks. You know, you're going to be a household name for the average NFL fan. And um, another average or a household name, I guess I should say, and somebody we're divided on on this podcast is Dak Prescott. I love Mm -hmm. him. Um, you know, I, I see his mistakes and I make the excuses, but, um, I just, I think he's primed for a really, uh, a big year, um, especially if he can stay healthy. I mean, I think when he was healthy and playing at his peak and playing very well, I think that's a very underrated peak. And I think if he can get back to that or just get back on that track, um, I think this is the year to do it. If he can stay healthy, especially with, with Brandon cooks, like you said, 
Michael Gallup kind of settling in and filling out that wide receiver three role. I think this is the year to do it. So uh, what what are you expecting from Dak this year? And how's the uh, how's the temperature with Cowboys Nation? Is anybody getting tired of Dak? I mean, yeah, I think Cooper it, last year. Yeah, I think it's split kind of like what you just talked about on the podcast. I think you guys are a pretty good representation of, of how the nation sees Dak Prescott. For the most part, Cowboys fans still believe in him. And I think uh, there is a lot of respect for, for Dak and not only what he's been through off the field, but what he's done for this franchise on the field. And he's shown that he can lead a, a double-digit win season and he can really be an impact player when need be and put up the numbers that you would want from an elite quarterback. It's the consistency and it's taking care of the football that he's got to get back to. And, and he hasn't had either one of those things really the last couple of years, either by injury or just by the turnover bug. Last year, it wasn't injury. Yeah, he had he missed a couple of weeks in the early parts of the year and Cooper Rush did a great job through the, the, the first uh, two months of the season to keep this team afloat. But it, after that, it turned into interceptions and it turned into turnovers. And those were things that uh, Dak has really been good at throughout his career is taking care of the football. So I think that's the, the, the number one thing for this offense this year. They don't want to go back to the same offense. They didn't feel like it was completely broken either, though. And, and I talked to Mike McCarthy today about it a little bit. And he that, that was kind of his message is that, yes, Kellen Moore and what we had offensively and what we built around Dak Prescott – has been a uh, a great thing to see over the years and the way it's developed, but there's still a way that he needs to take a step forward and really reach that peak, and they believe they can do that behind Dak. And I think this front office has that, that same kind of confidence, and the team in the locker room absolutely have that same kind of confidence. It's just whether or not the fans buy in the same way that the, the guys in the building have, have done uh, in, in trying to, to build around Dak and, and what he's shown from a, a, a leadership standpoint and a quarterback standpoint throughout his career. You think, I don't, I don't know what, by what standards, let's say he has a pretty down year interception, total tie again, Cowboys either first round exit, don't make the playoffs. Do you think there's a chance Dallas could move on from a year from now, or do you think it's still a ways? Man, a ways it, ways it, it would take a lot to move on. I think it would have to be pretty close to an absolute train wreck. Like, that, that's kind of what it would have to look like. It would have to be, like you said, league-high interceptions. You, I, I think you would have to miss the playoffs for you to move on from, from number four. He's just one of those um, quarterbacks. It's He's not an issue. He's, he's a good quarterback, but is he good enough is just the question. He's, he's good enough to get the playoffs, but can he lead them deep enough in the playoffs? And obviously with Dallas Cowboy fans, uh, there's only one thing they want, and it's yeah. not one playoff win. No doubt. No doubt. And and he's now got a couple, which is nice. He got one at least this year to, to at least make it feel a little bit better. But yeah, I think there is the thing with Dak is you've seen glimpses. You've seen yeah. bits and pieces of it, but you got to put it all together and you got to keep it consistent. Mm -hmm. The playoff game that he won against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers might have been one of his better games of his career, not just playoff wise, but maybe of his entirety uh, in the NFL but you didn't follow that up against San Francisco the same way. You, you didn't play that way against the 49ers in the divisional round. And if you would have, from a quarterback standpoint, I think your team would have been in a better spot. You may not have won that game. San Francisco really played a great game against yeah. Dallas. Uh, but you, you would have at least had a chance. And San Francisco really took it to the, to the Cowboys in that divisional round game. 
to the point where Dak did kind of start to press the issue, then the turnovers happened, and then by that point you were so far behind the eight ball you really couldn't make a move. So, yeah, I think there is an, a chance for him to, to really take a team to the next level. Uh, but teams, or excuse me, the Cowboys and Cowboys fans are waiting to finally see that next step, and you got to find a way to to put it all together and keep it consistent. Now, I do want to say that, that Cooper Rush signing uh, Austin, I think, was one of the more underrated deals for how well he did. You know, he kept that team afloat for a few weeks to get him for two years, six million. That was a steal for quality backup quarterback in case you know Dak has had injuries in the past. Something happens, it's still a playoff team with Cooper Rush. Yeah, I, think I don't this know. Is a team. That. I mean, they're not going <laughs> far to rush, but <laughs> he's at least shown he can keep it afloat. I think that's the best way to do it. Now he he did. I mean, he went four and one, four. Or I got. I think it was four and two. I can't remember right, right off the top. But I mean, he had four wins as a quarterback last year. Yeah. In yeah. relief, and so he can win games at the NFL level. Now, yeah, just how deep they can go from a playoff standpoint, I think Dak by far is the better quarterback there. Uh, but you've seen now that there is uh, – I mentioned the cohesion earlier with, with Dan Quinn and, and Micah Parsons. I think now you can see that there's really not a whole lot of drop-off between Cooper Rush and Dak Prescott. That's a tight-knit quarterback room. And I think even the new rule with the, the emergency quarterback really helps out the Cowboys because they have Will Greer on the roster as well, and they're very confident. And Mike McCarthy has talked about his confidence level in, in, in Will Greer before. So now that you could possibly have all three of those guys available on game day, if something were to rise, uh, arise where both guys, Dak Prescott, Cooper Rush, both get injured and they aren't available to continue, they even have a third guy on the roster that they could have yeah. uh, put put on the chin strap, get out there, and, and try and lead the team to a win. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know we've talking a lot about Dak Prescott. I don't mean to talk about him too much because this is a, an entire football team. There's a 53-man roster. I Sometimes NFL fans get bogged down just talking about quarterbacks. But um, like Trevor said, this podcast is divided on the Dak Prescott question. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just want to kind of gauge uh, where you're at. Uh, where would you put him, do you think, top 10, top 5? Where Where do you have him? I'd say he's borderline top 10. I, okay. I think he's uh, he's like right on the, the outskirts of the top 10. If he has a great year. I, I could maybe push him up close to the top five, but I don't okay. think he's even sniffing the top five at the okay. moment. I think, it, I mean, without going through everybody, I'd say anywhere from like eight to 13 or 14 on okay. uh, his range overall. I think he's a great quarterback. Don't get yeah. me wrong. And I think you could win with a quarterback like Dak. I, I still think the it, Jalen Hurts showed that the style of play uh, from quarterback can vary. And I think mm-hmm. Dak plays a style of football that can carry over depending on, on – it can carry over to a couple different elements of your football team. And this team's built around him. So I think he's good enough to do it. Now, is he good enough to do it by himself? I, I don't think so. I think he's shown already that, that he needs some help around him in order to get the job done. Okay. And know you just mentioned Philly. Obviously, favorite to win the division. You think Dallas is – Ready to take on Phil this year? Or? Yeah, I think so. I think they've made the the necessary additions to at least have have a conversation with Philly. I mean, you think about it, this NFC East is so unpredictable. I mean, yeah. the, the way that it's played out, I mean, there has not been a re- repeat champion of the NFC East since the 03-04 seasons, and that was when Philadelphia <laughs> did it with Donovan and McNabb. Like, that was the last time 
a team and organization has won this division back to back years. So I think to, to chalk it up for Philly is, is maybe a, it's, it's a little premature because you got to play the games. You play the games for the reason. I think New York is going to be good again this year. I don't even think Washington's that far off. I think they may be a quarterback away from being decent as well. So it will be another cutthroat year in the NFC East. And I think Dallas is ready for that challenge. But if you had to pick a team, just how Philly this past year was built to beat Dallas – now Dallas is trying to build to beat Philly, and that's just kind of how it goes whenever you do win the division. Teams put a target on your back and want to come after you, and that's exactly what Philadelphia has now. I think they have a target on their back, and Dallas is trying to best that uh, by, by bolstering uh, their weapons outside and trying to, to get the football out quickly to try and avoid some of that pass rush. I think a bit, another part of it is you're trying to beat San Francisco because you've lost to them twice in a row in the playoffs. Yeah. So yeah. Not even in your division, you're still looking at trying to make a run in the playoffs. And if you're going to do that, you're probably going to have to go through either San Francisco or Philly. And, and Dallas is keeping that in mind when they're roster building for sure. So what do you got for their you know, just final record prediction this season for Dallas? Oh, man, final record. That's tough. I think – Expecting double-digit wins is doable. I think getting up to 12 wins again is tough. They've done it back-to-back years, and the Cowboys haven't won 12 or more games in back-to-back years since Barry Switzer was the head coach back in the 90s. So it had been a while since they'd had that kind of consistency and success. So I think 12-5 and five would be the, the easy answer. I'll say 11-6. and six. I think they get close to that. I think they do make another playoff run at least. I don't think they'll win the division. I think they'll they'll probably drop some games within the division, but this could always change. I mean, things do change in the NFL. It's a it's a Absolutely. week by week basis for sure. Uh, but I think right this second, I think they're they're good enough to make the playoffs. Uh, but I think this is a team that's going to see some growing pains, but be better whenever it counts. Whenever the playoffs do come around. Okay. Right. And with just this division, like even looking further out past the division. Uh, just the NFC as a whole last year, there was the Eagles, you know, dominating. And then underneath them was just, like, a bunch of other teams. Like, there wasn't a clear-cut number two. So, like, I mean, Niners really, all the other teams in the NFC aren't that far away from, you know, you get hot at the right time, you end up in the Super Bowl. I don't think anybody would be that surprised. Yeah. Well, and you also look at the quarterback position through the NFC. Yeah. Who's, who's the best quarterback in the NFC right now? I think it's pretty darn wide open, especially with Aaron Rodgers no longer in the fold. I mean, it, it's Jalen Hurts, Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins. And that's odd for me to say, but, I mean, name another NFC quarterback Jared right now. Goff, put some respect on his name. <laughs> okay, but that's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> hey, the Lions hype is real. The Lions might be pretty darn good this year. But until they prove it the way that these other teams have, I, yeah. I think they're up in the air. Maybe Trey Lance finally has his come out year. Who knows? Maybe Jordan Love is the real deal in, in Green Bay. Uh, but but right this second, when you look at the NFC, it appears wide open. And I think that's what was disappointing most about the Cowboys' run last year. You beat Tom Brady. You felt like you were, okay, we just got through Tom. Now we're facing Brock Purdy and this, this San Francisco team. And then we might have to see Jalen Hurts in the championship game. It was wide open last year. I think it's going to be just as wide open this year. And it's going to make for some fun football, but, man, it's going to be stressful, of yeah. course, whenever it gets to the end of the year. Absolutely. All right, um, Zach, you got yeah. it. <laughs> so I have two questions for you. The first one, Trevor didn't ask it, but I'm going to. Um, <laughs> obviously, a lot of storied rivalries 
in this division. Mm-hmm. Um, out of all the teams in the NFC East, which team do Cowboys fans as a whole, and maybe you in particular, dislike mm-hmm. the most? Philly. Philly? For me. Yeah. I mean, for, for me, it's Philly. I mean, my – my football fandom really started beginning in the early 2000s. And I, I mean, I grew up a Cowboys fan and I'm just fortunate to work for the team that I grew up cheering for. But uh, man, the, I, I mean, yeah, I've always had a vendetta against Philly. I just never really have liked them. Um, I, I really don't like their fans for the most part. I think they're terrible. But uh, the, I think it's interesting because it, it depends on what generation of Cowboys fans you, you, you talk to mm-hmm. because you, you talk to some of the, the older Cowboys fans, the veteran Cowboys fans, they're probably going to say Washington. They, they do not like the, the Washington organization. And uh, maybe like bef- right before me, you would say the Giants because the Giants kind of kicked our butts a little bit in there too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just remember Terrell Owens and, and the Eagles and – teams like that maybe recently if you were going to talk about a team recently it'd be either the eagles or the 49ers those would kind of be the two but okay. it's it's split between them all but for me for sure it's definitely Philly. it's the That's eagles the okay yeah. all right and then my Have last seen, uh... question. oh go ahead my last question i've asked this to every guest over the past two years that we've had on the show mm-hmm. my jaguars obviously coming off a surprising year definitely a big upgrade from our previous year we don't have to talk about that one too much but <laughs> What do you uh, what do you see the Jaguars doing this year? In terms oh, of man, I like the Jags. I do. I like Let's the Jags. Go. You got some young talent. I, I've always been a fan of Trevor Lawrence. I think he's the real deal, man. So I think if and you show, you showed it last year against LA. You showed it against the Chargers in the fact that the uh, you you came back the way that you did. I mean that showed the peak ability of this char or of this Jags team. So I think there's a uh, there's a, a youth element. There's an excitement element. It's kind of like the Lions in the same sense. Yeah. Like they feel pretty good. But it's kind of weird because it was like we were one and two at the draft last year, and uh, we ended up with Trayvon Walker. They ended up with Aiden Hutchinson. Still, yeah. still don't love the fact that we took Trayvon Walker over Aiden Hutchinson. I was really pulling Hutchinson's for Aiden Hutchinson. A he's a dude. Yeah, he's a he dude. is. I still um, think Tray- Trayvon's still a guy, though. Like he's still he be is. He's good. just unpolished. And yeah. so that was the big question coming in is like, can he turn from the freak athlete that he is into a professional football yeah. player? Um, I, I don't know. This might be overzealous. Who knows? I think if, if Jacksonville ended up with 12 or 13 wins this year, I don't know if I'd be shocked. Woo! I really don't think I'd be shocked. I think they're, wow. they're good enough to start, start winning now. Listen. My heart just grew three sizes like the Grinch. Oh, yeah, man. They're, they're pretty darn good. And we've got them in the preseason. Thank goodness we don't see them in, in the regular season. We've got them, we've got them in the preseason for uh, our opener. I'll get the call that game, so that'll be a lot of fun. Awesome. But, uh, man, that's, uh, that's a good team for sure. I love that and answer. Easy, easy division, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. see, and that's, that's kind of the reason. That's like, the best part. <laughs> Who else is going to take them down in that division? To like a rookie quarterback, another rookie quarterback, and then I mean the ghost of Tannehill. Yeah, <laughs> ghost like, of I mean, Ryan yeah. Tannehill. Yeah, the uh, Davis Mills going to run the table here? No, that's not going to happen. They're going to they're going to probably shove all those quarterbacks into the fire way too early, and then it's going to be just easy pickings for Jacksonville. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping. 
Go Jags. There you go. You've, you've gone through it enough. You, yes, you we've been it. through enough. <laughs> we had Urban Meyer as a head coach in the NFL. <laughs> now it's now it's our turn to go through it because we've gone through it in the playoffs. You've gone through it really all together, so good luck. All righty. Trevor, you were going to ask something before I – Oh, I did. I when we were talking about uh, how much you disliked Philly, I was wondering if you've seen uh, Michael Parsons at, at the Sixers games wearing the Sixers jerseys. How you yeah, feel about see, that? I, I don't. I don't hate Philly like as a city. I just don't like Philadelphia Eagles fans mm-hmm. and the organization. Because I mean, yeah, it's the Sixers, and like, I, I mean, I don't really care about the Sixers. They're, I mean, I don't cheer for them, of course. Same thing. Wasn't like, he though, too? What was that? Didn't he have – wasn't he wearing another NBA team shirt like the day after or something? Probably, yeah. yeah. It might have just been – he was at like courtside at a game. But he's been courtside at Mavs games all the time. Like he comes he comes all the time. I wasn't too bothered by it. No deal. No big deal anyways. All right. Well, thanks for coming on. Mine. You want to plug yourself again before you head out? Where they can yeah, find I, at Kyle underscore Yeomans, the Talking Cowboys podcast, uh, draft show podcast in the offseason. Uh, and then keep up to date, DallasCowboys.com and all the Cowboys social channels. You'll see me on there quite a bit. So, yeah, TV host for the team. And so uh, excited to, to get back after it and get ready for the 23 season, guys. 100 all days right. to go. Crazy. That's wild. Days. All right, good luck to you and your Cowboys this year. All right. Yeah, appreciate you guys for having me. Yeah, of course. All righty. Harry, did you ask him if he wanted to plug himself? What does that mean? Uh, it's oh, just what? about like what, like where they can find you, like your socials and everything. Zach did not oh, get not that. Actually, plug himself. Only Trevor would think that. Yeah, it's because Trevor's used to plugging himself. Okay, <laughs> so we have two more teams to cover. Beers. We have two more teams to cover. I have one beer left. Do we want to do the boring one or the good one? Let's, Let's do, do the, Eagles, the good one, and then we'll finish on the boring. All right, Philadelphia Eagles. I feel like everybody has them as favorite in the NFC, obviously in the Super Bowl. The real question is, is Jalen Hurts going to be the guy he was last year? Bro, I already called it last season. Jalen Hurts, big step forward, okay? He's going to stay right where he is this year. He is going to be a good quarterback, probably a little bit overrated, but that's okay because he's winning games. I, f- I feel like he's going to be up there in the level. I just don't. I feel like you always see these quarterbacks have one year they go off and they never get to that level again. Like Lamar Jackson's MVP season. We've never s- seen him hit that level again. This but, this podcast is so weird. Two years ago, that would have been me saying that. I know. <laughs> and now Gary's saying it. The only person that sticks to their guns is me, bro. No, you're the only person that refuses to change despite evidence to the contrary. Right. Zach Wilson is elite. <laughs> I honestly think that the, uh, I mean, it's the, the Eagles division to lose. But yeah. I for real think the Cowboys are going to be challenging them this year. I mean, I mean whatever they Cowboys, have. To... They're always good. Yeah, yeah be, but I mean, I mean it'll be... for the division. I, I still think it's the Eagles division. The I don't think the Cowboys challenge it that much. By the way, we didn't give our predictions for the first two. Um, I think around 11 and 6, 
ten and seven is about where the Cowboys are going to finish this year. They're going to be good, not great, in a wide yeah. open NFC. Um, the Giants, I see finishing it around that same area. Really? Yeah. Bro's changed a lot since last year. Yeah. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna say Dallas goes eleven and six, and I'm gonna put the Giants maybe like nine and eight, ten and seven. Okay. There. I just I feel like it was just a lucky season. Last year for the Giants, they got a lot of close wins, easy schedule. I think they're good. I just don't think they're great by any means. Yeah, I, I just yeah, I, I agree. That's a good good take. What about you, Trevor? I mean, he says he's going to the Super Bowl, so obviously, I got twelve wins for the Dallas Cowboys, twelve to thirteen for Philadelphia, and then I'll give the Giants like eight. Okay. All right, um, I'm gonna give the Giants. Oh, I already said that one. For Philly, we even talk about Philly. Philly, I'm seeing 12 wins. Yeah, I'm gonna say 12. I, I feel like they'll take a little step back, but still be probably the best. I don't team even yet. necessarily think it's a step back. I just think they lose a close game. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, like again, he's meant. Who else is there in the NFC? I mean, if the Niners had a quarterback, obviously they'd be. Runners, they have but... Sam Darnold now. Don't sleep. I heard he was yeah. doing well in practice. I, that he is always does, How many quarterbacks have done well in practice? Apparently, Nathan Peterman did well in practice. I don't understand how, but he somehow um, got the job over Josh Allen at one point. But really, like, um, an offense, mainly Eagles bring it back to same core. Um, yep. They did lose Miles Sanders, but they brought in DeAndre Swift and Rashad Penny. I really like Penny as like a breakout candidate this year. Yep. But over Trevor mentioned, I mean, if somehow DeAndre Hopkins goes there, that is just a scary lineup. Yeah, that offense is disgusting if Hopkins ends up going there. They had a very good draft class, too. Yeah. Everyone from the University of Georgia is now a Philadelphia Eagle. <laughs> Like to get Jalen, what did they get? Carter at ten or nine? Ten. Ten. They they got some great picks in that draft. Yeah. No Smith. I know. I mean, they did lose some guys. Obviously, is there RB one? It's either Swift or Penny. I think it's gonna be Swift. Oh, Swift! I forgot all about that. I feel like he'd stay healthy there too, with how good their line is. Like, uh, uh, I don't know. That guy's like a made of you know cheap and he's plastic. Gonna, I mean, he's going to have some – but he's not – like, with their offense, he's not going to get that many carries. Like, they're going to use Gainwell, all these other guys also. That's and true. with Hurt. Boston Scott. I mean – Boston Scott. Do you think this – obviously, they had a great draft. But they did lose guys in the defense. C.J. Gardner-Johnson, Javon Hargrave, T.J. Edwards – Kaiser White. So they, they lost a few good starters on their defense. You Who think is Kaiser White? It's Kazir. Kazir? But oh. Carrie's White, so. Yeah. Is there, him and Edwards are their starting linebackers last year. They lost, I think, four five four or five starters from last year in defense. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously they did a great draft, but is this going to be as dominant defense as it was last year? Probably not. Just being honest. Um, especially not for the whole year. Um, granted, they didn't play well in the Super Bowl, so maybe this is good. <laughs> uh, they just couldn't stop Kelsey and Mahomes soon. Do you, 
Where do you guys have Goddard in your top tight ends? Uh, but come on, bro. What? Is he top four? Uh, no. Kyle Pitts is better. You have no real takes. Uh, I'm going to say Dallas Goddard, number six. Oh, really? Five. I'm going to put Schultz at five, Goddard at six. Schultz? What are you doing? Yes. This means I have Dallas like, Cowboys fan at heart. I have like Hawkinson. Fart That's his move. new team because the Bucks have Baker Mayfield. No, my new team is the Dolphins. <laughs> and the Bengals and the Raiders. Fairweather fan. He's a Fairweather fan. I like players more than I like teams, man. I'm not going to sit here and cry over Baker Mayfield. I'm not going to let Baker Mayfield stress me out this year. You did Road that last not. year. You're not doing it again. <laughs> Poor guy. Alrighty. Are we got anything else in the Eagles you guys want to talk about? Chirp, chirp, um, do you guys think – so uh, we talked about it a little bit, but, I mean, obviously, Swift – I mean, this was a big talking point on this podcast last year at least. Uh, I mean, we all made a bet about it. Can he stay yeah, healthy? Yeah, Kerry gets to tear my ACL now. Um, <laughs> can he stay healthy? You know what I mean? Yeah, I think he will just because they're not going to force feed him. I think Penny will be their number one guy. That's the thing, though. They didn't force feed him last year, and he still got hurt. But it's the Eagles, though. Like, who gets touches in that offense? Everybody. Exactly. <laughs> like, Boston, Scott, Gainwell, all these guys are going to get a couple touches a game, and then the Hurts is run the ball 15 times a game, whatever. Like, how many touches is Swift going to get? Like, maybe five carries, a couple of few targets. I don't think he's going to be getting crazy dumb. You think he's going to get five carries a game? Yeah. Is that crazy? Do you, wait, I think wait, he'll get more than that. Do we have a bet? That he'll average five carries a game on the season? Over, under. I'll turn it to five and a half just because. I don't care enough to bet on that, though. Like, oh, come on, he has like seven carries. You can put it on six and a half, seven and a half, dude. Okay. What about that, Kerry? Do you like those odds better? I'll take seven. Seven and a half? So six and a half? Or six and a half. If you say it higher, I'll take higher. I'll, I'll take six or seven. Six and a half or okay. seven. Then I'll take I'll take over six and a half. And Kerry, I also, take it under? Yeah. All right. The betting book is out, boys. What's the bet for? Zach, I offered to make Trevor a bet this weekend for $500 that we would not see the Dolphins and the Cowboys in the Super Bowl, and he would not take it. That's because, because it's not even like that. You're betting on 15 teams. I'm betting on one team. I'm not going to bet $500. And bet on it. You don't believe it. It's going to happen. That's there why. Make, make the bet 500. Make the bet 50 to fine. one. If Ken right. wins, exactly. he gets 10. If Trevor wins, he gets 500. I tried explaining them to this concept, and they slurred at me. <laughs> You don't believe enough in your own thing. No, it's <laughs> just you're betting on 15 teams to reach the Super Bowl. I'm betting on one team. There's no way we should be putting up the same There's amount no of money. dollars on it because you don't even believe in it. <laughs> you don't think that the Cowboys and the Dolphins are going to be in the Super Bowl. I you think the Cowboys have a great shot at being in the Super Bowl. I mean, it's the NFC, bro. No, you literally said this is happening like three times this offseason already. It is happening. You just said they have a great shot. Not that it's happening. Both things can be true, brother. You think they're going to go there if they got a bad shot? Brother. I love this. Keep going. Keep going. You're not done yet. 
Renfro is lost emotionally. Justin Herbert sucks too, bro. <laughs> Be talking about. Ju- I was gonna ask about Justin Herbert how uh, he thought Kellen Moore, but I knew that would send Trevor on a tangent. I didn't want to listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> the Cowboys guy. Yeah. Yeah, you should have asked him. Can Kellen Moore make Justin Herbert a real quarterback? Can't find the bet book. This might be bad. They're already lost. Two weeks in the up. Uh, I'll just on record the it on this piece of paper. It'll be fine. I'll find it. Gary owes me $500. I'm sure. Yeah, I don't think so. All right, we, we want to head on to the last team division? I'm not going to lie, bro. I have, like, nothing to say about Washington, but I'll try. Who's their quarterback? <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Do we think Sam Howell is? Are they tanking? The problem they is like Lamar. This is a good team if they had a good quarterback. Like even even if you put like Dak on this team, this is probably a playoff team. If you put Zach on the team, Dak. Oh, like this is a good defense. Or Zach. I mean, either works. Okay, uh, Trevor, where'd your video go? I'm peeing in the living room. Okay, well. Does that give any high expectations for Sam Howell? I mean, your other buddy, Jacoby Brissett's on there, so maybe he gets a shot. Um, Jacoby's a better bet than Sam Howell. What was your bet for? Six and a half carries for DeAndre Swift? No, for what? I don't know, 25 bucks? Okay. The loser has to slice their ACO. No. Yeah, probably not. I'm no. down for 25 bucks. Yeah, that's like two or three Chipotle trips. There you go. That's two and a half Chipotle trips. I thought, I mean, Chipotle may have raised their prices the last time I've been there. They do every time. Capitalism. You guys want to talk about it? Profit? Yeah, at the, on the new podcast. Barely life. And it's like the, it's Beerly in the font that we have now, and then like the life, like from the game logo. <laughs> Beerly life, Beerly politics. No, I'm not doing politics, dude. Fuck that. We could all do like some really um, hard drugs and then talk about politics with each other. Or we could just do really hard drugs and talk about random shit. I'd rather do that than politics specifically. Not- not let down our one commander fan listener that cares out there, Johnny. Okay. I love you, uh, Johnny. Carrie, what do you th- okay? So, we're gonna restart this whole thing. Carrie, ask me the question about Sam Sam Howell again. Zach, do you think Sam Howell's actually could be the guy in Washington? Uh, dude, anything can happen, but, but no, not that. <laughs> anything can happen, but no. I think Jacoby Jacoby Brissett has a better chance of leading this team to the playoffs than Sam Howell does. Do you think they're better off bringing back Wentz again? Honestly? I don't, yeah. I don't hate that. Wentz is an Arizona Cardinal. They almost made the playoffs with Wentz and Heineke last year. Like, do do we all have them in fourth in the division? Yes. I might. I I wish I could put them fifth. (laughs) <laughs> I can see them having a better record than the Giants, but they would need Sam really? Howell. Sam Howell has to be like a competent quarterback. And he just, I mean, have you, did you guys, 
see much of his tape from that one game last year? No. Because you know how much hype was generated around Sam Howell taking his first snap as a starter in the NFL? Like 20 tweets on Twitter. No, there were zero tweets. I checked. <laughs> hey, he's he can run. I think he had he had a lot of rushing yards. I know Did that. He? But I don't know. It's it's he's probably the biggest unknown in the I don't know, is Baker and Trask more unknown? I think that Indianapolis Colts situation is more unknown, honestly. I did, I did see today that uh, both Richardson and Minshew were getting first-team reps already. Or Minshew. I've heard that they're going to start Richardson week one. I feel like they will, 100%. They're gonna just going to let him cook. <laughs> yeah, like you just like you cook a chicken in the oven. <laughs> Why is there going to be chicken? Because it's my favorite bird meat. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> All right. Ch- Chase Young. What? How, is he nearing toward bus level? I mean, what has he done in the last... I wouldn't call it bus level. He struggled with injury. Should they resign him? I mean, this is the last... Uh, if I was Washington, I wouldn't resign him. Do you think he's, think he's a bus. I would. Do you think he'll ever reach his potential? Not here. I mean, like, you look, at, you look at that front lineup. If Chase Young can get back to what he was, like his rookie season, Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen, Montez Sweat, they have pro- one of the best front sevens in probably the NFL. Like, they're kind of weak in the secondary, but, like, on paper, the defense is pretty good for this team. That's but the problem, Kerry. Also... On paper, it was good last year, and you know what it did during the year? It sucked. Well, it got better as the year goes on. On went. They were horrible. I picked them as my defense early. It got better. Though. Not really early. First off, I'm not an idiot. I don't pick like defense really. Everyone is sleeping on this team too much. Trevor's half asleep. Like this team. How many games did they miss the playoffs? Bro, this team makes me. This team is melatonin. They almost made the playoff last year. This team is melatonin. They're not that bad. They would win the AFC South if they were in the AFC South. Mark my words. Carrie, I don't even know why you said mark my words. That shit's just not going to happen. Mark my words. They have a better In an alternate reality, this year they would win the AFC. Mark my words. Uh, Carrie, that's the dumbest thing you have ever said. They Manders would get smoked by the Jaguars. Panthers are a better team than the Jaguars. Get ready for the Jaguars to fall apart this season. Bro, I... Ready. Oh, God. I, I'm, I'm loving this because it's exactly the same shit you said last year. And now I'm mad. I'm fucking angry. <laughs> God, that's all I wanted. <laughs> Alrighty. Trevor, instead of starting the show with a game, we're going to end the show with a game. Do you have a game for us tonight? Wait, we need a record prediction. Oh, yeah, for the Commanders? I'm going to say nine. Nine and eight. <laughs> That's um, so bro, crazy. it's, uh, I got five and 11. Bro, or five, five and, 12. and 12. Or six and 11. I'll go six and 11. I'm going five and 12, brother. Sure, brother. I know a hot girl that lives out there in Washington. I met her in uh, Nashville when I had a girlfriend, so we couldn't really. But 
This is a yeah, five wins podcast. for the. Sorry, five wins for the Commanders. Trevor's about to start crying. <laughs> Back when I had a girlfriend. All right. Did you have a game, Trevor? No. If not, um, are. Yeah. Man. Um. Okay. <laughs> so I want you got. I got a. The starter is going to be one point. The second string is going to be two points, and the third string quarterback is going to be three points. Road is not of a game. Can you guys tell me the quarterbacks that were on the roster of the 2009 Philadelphia Eagles? What? Um, I'm going to go starter. Kevin Cole. Three points. Zach, that means you got to get one and two. And you got to get them quick. Uh, I'm going to go Nick Foles. Michael Vick. Michael Vick is the backup, so that's two points. Who's getting the starter? Wait, was Kevin Cole the starter or the third string? He's the third he string. He was the third string. Wait, so he was the backup. God, who did they draft? I remember Nick It was Cole. like the only guy that Michael Vick would be backing up. McNabb? McNabb. He's really? I thought he was gone by 09. 2009. Damn it. Can't believe we got Kevin Cole. So I hope you guys enjoyed that game. That's all. Are you serious? <laughs> Gary won, yeah. <laughs> Great game, Trevor. I'm going to take Gary over was... the game spot for next Gary week because this is horrible. Yes. Carrie <laughs> won the last ever Trevor game. Wow. That was a great game. Why? I don't know why you expect him to think of a good games. I don't know well, why I was gonna do. I was going to do, like, different quarterback rooms for, like, every team in this division. But then I thought you guys didn't want to do it because we didn't have enough time. So I just wrote down the Eagles, and I was like, I'm not writing down the rest. <laughs> but I guess I probably should have. Next time, bud. <laughs> All righty. All right. Rapid fire, then? Rapid fire. Wait, rapid should, we all, fire. should we all just repeat our uh, final NFC East standings records? I got Eagles. Cowboys, Giants, kind of here. And then on the floor, through the bottom story of this house, are the Washington Red Commanders. Wow. I get the word to say the R word. (laughs) Eagles, 12 wins. Cowboys, 11 wins. Giants, 9. Red. I almost said it too. Commanders nine. Do we, we got to say the wins? Do we get canceled if we say Redskins? Can't oh, we? what? Stop! <laughs> no! I got the uh, Sixers, Mavericks, Knicks, and Wizards. One, two, three, four. Shut up. <laughs> Philly, Dallas, New York, and then Washington. I think we all agree except for uh, New York and Washington. I haven't flipped. I can't believe you, you haven't don't, flipped. You don't believe in Sam Howell. I believe in Sam Howell. I really don't, but, you know. I feel like All right, you guys want to play Madden sometime? <laughs> Shut up. Do you? All right, rapid fire time. Rapid I don't want to listen to your nonsense anymore. Wait, for this whole segment, I'm going to try and use a radio voice, okay? I like that. Oh, can I add something to rapid fire? It's a really good one. Maybe. True or false, do you guys want to play Madden? Oh, absolutely. We can play Madden at any time you want, man. 
That's all Zach does, but <laughs> That's not all I do, okay? It's not. I am actually very, very busy. I got Zach... home at 10.30 the last two nights. Zach can... I thought you were going to say tonight. I was like, no, 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 no. It's about... It's almost 10.30 now, so... Zach's going to be late for his wedding because he's got the Buffalo Bills in a 2020 franchise. He <laughs> <laughs> like, let no, my speed no, no. quarterback No, hook. no, 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 no. no. <laughs> Double overtime. All right, Carrie. <laughs> All right. Who's the better wide receiver, Amon Ross St. Brown or Terry McLaren? Scary Terry. It's got to be Scary Terry. The Jets – we already did this last week. Never mind. Gary, get it right. I know, right? Who's the most underrated player on your favorite team right now? Marcus Jones from the Patriots. Most underrated player? Oof. Does Trevor even have a favorite team to answer this? Should I just be a Bucks fan for like purposes of like this? Yeah. Um, I'm gonna say Rashad White. I actually like that pick, Trevor. That's a good one. Um. Hmm. Wait, before you answer this, Zach, I have to ask you. Yeah. What happened in the Jaguars with Riley Patterson and getting Brandon McManus? No idea. That that, that, was, uh, really that was weird. That was really, really quite strange. What is it, like his second or third year? I think it's his third. And they take an old guy who's like slight, maybe a little better? Slightly, like at best. 30. That was weird. Yeah, that was strange. <laughs> anyway, um, most underrated guy, obviously. best. Yeah, he's the best linebacker in the NFL. It's Foyasadi and Luka. Shocker. <laughs> All right, you can trade for one player in the Jets. Who are you taking? Aaron Rodgers. I'm taking Garrett Wilson. Sauce Gardner. Bro got sauce. True or false, these are the top four quarterbacks in the NFL right now. Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts. Yeah. True. true. The drop-off of the top four is crazy. Also, yeah, I don't know why popular, everybody yeah. is turned on Josh Allen so much. Everybody hates Josh Allen. Everybody He's- turned on Josh Allen? Yes. Everybody thinks he's the most overrated quarterback in the NFL now. It's just, I don't get it. They haven't met it's Justin because uh, every, every uh, NFL fan has, uh, besides us, obviously, has the memory of a goldfish. Two seconds. Here's a question Zach's going to love. Who's your favorite Jacksonville Jaguars player of all time? Oh, I like David Garrard. I'm going David Garrard. That's a good one. That is a really good one, Kerry. Who was Damn. that really short guy, Zach? Mike Thomas. I'm going to say Mike Thomas. Mike Thomas. There were some good receivers on that team. Yeah. Um, golly. My favorite. I'm going to say, I, I think I'm going to go with MJD. I'm Bro, wearing his the... jersey. Can no. I go with Josh Scobie, actually? Josh Scobie. This is the Beer League Football Podcast. You can choose whoever you want. Yeah, you can. <laughs> love is right. love. Name a random wide receiver. Donovan Peoples-Jones. Um, Tyree Cleveland. Uh, Braxton Berrios. I like right. it. Who's the worst coach in the history of your favorite team? Uh, that's so easy. It's Urban Matt, Meyer. Matt Patricia. He's not a head coach. I don't care. He sucks. <laughs> Todd Bowles has kind of been pissing me off lately, so maybe him. 
All right, pick one in their prime. Eric Decker, Adam Thielen, Julian Edelman, Wes Welker. Wes Welker. In their prime? Yeah. I'm taking uh, Welker in the regular season and Edelman in the playoffs. I'm going – I'm probably going Thielen. Who was the first one you said? Eric Decker. Decker. With, like, one good year. I just needed a fourth white guy to put in there. Oh, I thought you did it because they all had E in their last name. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're lying. I don't believe you. I don't believe I, that's actually what you thought. I can't. True or false? Devin Hester is the greatest return specialist in NFL history. True, but shout I out to where Josh he played. I wonder where he True played. Fighting with random people on Twitter about uh, this. You... Wait, did someone say he wasn't? Yeah, a lot of yeah. people said um Cordell no. or Josh Cribs. I said Josh Cribs was second, and then a bunch of people said, "Oh, Cordell Patterson." Oh. Josh Are you Cribs- guys, uh, uh, bro? Someone's smoking some zaza, something fierce. Yeah. Devin Hester, old- it's not close. There's some old guy. No, I like- said Josh Gibbs was second. Yeah, I know. I'm saying that those guys are crazy for putting Cordarrelle in this conversation. Old- he is a good guy. return guy. He is not Devin Hester. Some old guy was like, he's not top five. I was like, what, bro? What? You listen to like five old people I've never heard of. <laughs> All right. Linden Trail. DeAndre Hopkins, yes. DeAndre Hopkins will sign with the blank. Bro, DeAndre a, Hopkins, I think... He's a chief, sadly, probably. Honestly, yeah, probably. Um, yeah, I'm the Chiefs as well. Trevor? That brother is a Kansas City Chief. I also saw him at my apartment. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. Who will be the most disappointing team in the NFL next season? The Jacksonville Jaguars. Bro, Kerry, we're about to fight. I'm not lying. Um, I'm gonna go the most disappointing team in the NFL next year will be... I gotta... I've already said this. It's the Miami Dolphins. Poor Nando. L.A. Chargers. <laughs> Who's the better Bills quarterback, Josh Allen or Jim Kelly? Josh Allen. Josh, Josh Allen. Jim Kelly's white. Rank them. <laughs> T. Higgins, Jalen Waddell, Devonta Smith. Ooh. Smith is last. Smith is third. Yeah. Yeah. It's Higgins, Waddle. But he's still very good. It's Higgins, uh-huh. Waddle, uh, Smith. Would you put Ayuk over Smith? Huh? No. No. Are you Smith over Ayuk? Yeah. Yeah. All right. What wide receiver is most likely to have a bounce back season next year? We got like DeAndre Carter. OBJ. Michael Thomas, Allen Robinson, Deontay Johnson, Hunter Renfro. I did see a lot of Hunter Renfro to New Orleans Saints uh, trade thoughts lately. So I like that. I like that. They, too. I, they should keep them there though with Jimmy. They got three targets over there. Um, let's quick. I don't know if you guys saw about Jimmy G. That he has his uh, ankle problems. That the Raiders could void his contract if he's not healthy by week one and not have to pay him. As he didn't. <laughs> He didn't pass his physical. Nice. So there's a question whether Jimmy G will actually even take a snap for the Raiders. Do you think an NFL player's physical is like similar to the ones we had to get in middle school? No. The physical ones were like, uh, in middle school, were like, let me cup your balls, cough for me. Okay, you're good. <laughs> yeah, do you think somebody gets to do that to Jimmy G or no? Probably. Probably. What? You want, you want to get paid for it? <laughs> That's interesting. I'm a, it's 
It's been a long time, but I think Michael Thomas actually has a good year this year. No, it's going to be Hunter Renfro. Trevor? Oh, you said some random... Thomas is a good one because I think Carr and him will match up pretty well. True. All right, who is the... This is Trevor's question. Who is the best second-year player in the NFL right now? That's not my question. My question was who is the best sophomore in the NFL. Same thing. It's uh, last year it was Trevor Lawrence. Uh, I see. It's soft. No, it's, it's woolen. I'll probably go woolen. Ugh. Trevor? Saucy. Name a wide receiver better than Tyreek Hill. Not Justin Herbert. Wait, are you talking Uh-oh. wide receivers or playmakers? Devontae Adams. Wide receiver, Justin Jefferson. <laughs> no. Devontae Adams, though. Devontae Adams, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase. Uh, I could go for a while. I just said one. True, false, Aaron Rodgers will have a bounce back season in 2023. True. True. Describe Pat McAfee in one word. Punter. Man. <laughs> Didn't he join ESPN? Guy. Big deal to ESPN. He sold out. Sold Can't out. Cut Freaking sellout. Hey, Beerly Faithful will never sell you out like that. Never. Uh, never. <laughs> as long as Trevor's not in charge. Well, he's not because yeah. I'm the owner. Wow. Is two of the long-term answer quarterback in Miami? Yes. No. Not sure yet. Who's your favorite Tennessee Titans player of all time? My favorite Tennessee Titans player, probably Chris Johnson. Logan Ryan. Derrick Henry. Cortland Finnegan, was that his name? Yeah. yeah. Guy that got in a fight with Andre Johnson? Yeah. Who would you rather have on your offense at their peak, Gronk or Antonio Brown? Antonio Brown. I'm thinking Sadly. What is blocking? Peak Antonio Brown. Harry, shut up about blocking, please. <laughs> We're talking about prime Gronk, and you're talking about blocking. You know the best tight end of all time that's not named Travis Douchebag Kelsey? He's a better blocker than Kelsey. He is. Pick one in their prime. Donovan McNabb, Tony Romo, Matt Stafford, Russell Wilson. Oh, God. Who's the Give me McNabb. Romo. I'm going McNabb, too. Uh, I'll go McNabb as well. Who's the greatest pass rusher in the history of your favorite team? Ooh. Andre Tippett, Patriots. Ooh, that's tough. Josh Allen. Already? It's as far back as I can think. I've only been a fan since high school. Trevor, do you know anything about the Bucks? Um, well, sack-wise, it's actually Shaquille Barrett, statistic-wise. Warren Sapp was a good one, but he was a, you know, DT. It's hard to get sacks that way. Yeah. I'm just going to plead the fifth right now. Just say sure. next question. All right. One NFL player do you want to see win a Super Bowl before they retire? Um, Khalil Mack, Khalil Jones, Clyde Campbell, Hopkins, Patterson, Zach Martin, any, any other? It's easy for me. Uh, Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like Saudi Lukun actually. I'd love to see him get a Super Bowl. He deserves it. Best linebacker in the NFL. I like to see Julio Jones win a ring. I want to see Lamar get a ring. That would be crazy. Speaking of Lamar, true or false? 
Michael Vick, better than Lamar. True. True. False. Who's the best player under 25 years old in the NFL right now? Trevor Lawrence. Micah, Micah Parsons. I don't know how old everybody is in the NFL. So, um, Like Jamar Chase, Sauce Gardner, Tristan Wirfs, Justin Jefferson. Oh, Jeff- Jeff- Jalen Hurts. Jefferson. Wait, so Jefferson's better than Chase? No. That's what you just said. No, I didn't. I said he's the best player under 25. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Don't put words in my mouth, Gary. <laughs> All right. I had a couple more, but I actually clicked out. So I can't put that. Wait, what? I accidentally clicked out of Twitter and lost my space. So that's it. So scroll there's back couple- to it, Carrie. Come on. There's a couple left. That's so much effort. All right. Too much effort. Well. <laughs> That's all we have for the Beerly Football Podcast this week. Do uh, you guys want to plug anything before we head out? You make sure to follow us on Twitter at Beerly Football. We also got another hot podcast at the Beerly Sports Network just in in time for the uh, the finals and two other sports. We got the Beerly Hoops Podcast. Check them out on everywhere you can find podcasts and Twitter Me? at Beerly Hoops. And then the Beerly Me? Hockey as well. Beerly Me? Hockey Podcast. This beerly shut up and then follow them on Twitter at beerly hockey as they are in the Stanley Cup finals between the Vegas Golden Knights and the Florida Fort Lauderdale Panthers. So that's all all I got. Follow me on Twitter, beerly carry. Follow beerly baseball. We don't have a podcast, but I tweet stuff. So why not? (laughs) And of course, you can always follow me at beerly Zach. Uh, might change my name to Zach Shadamas on Twitter. If you want to know everything before it happens, make sure you follow me there. And uh, you can, like I said, know everything before it happens. Thank you, everyone, for watching the Beerly Football Podcast. It's been lovely skip- having you here today. Thank you, you again to our guests. What? Check it out. If you want to see our beautiful faces, check us out on YouTube at Beerly Sports. There you go. If you're listening to this, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, anywhere you can find your podcast. Make sure you check us out on YouTube. You can see our beautiful faces as well, the faces of our beautiful guests. And we'll see you guys next time. See ya.